cliffcentral.com. This is the Digital Influence with Ryan Hogan. Stories of digital transformation in business, in relationships, and in life. Financial services, this is the... Uh I guess the the next industry that's being going to be disrupted by technology and what's happening in the world. And uh, a couple of weeks ago, I had Raymond de Villiers on the show talking about, uh, well, talking specifically and or rather more generally about it. Today in the in the Cliff Central Studios, I've got Grant Field, who's the CEO of the Fed Group. Grant, hello. How's it, Ryan? Yeah, thank you very much for having me this morning. Yeah, no worries. And um, I guess. Well, why don't you let's start out by your you've been in this business for some time. I mean, well, I mean, you've been with Fed Group for 13 years. Yeah, that's right. So, so, uh, you know, by modern standards, that's a lifetime to be with any one company. Uh, So obviously, you've seen change in that 13 years. I mean, that's the bulk of the century you've worked, worked in that field. So what, from your perspective, how's it evolved? How's it changing? How ready and prepared is the established industry for the new wave of technology and disruption that's coming. Yeah, so I think amazing change, uh, but especially over the last few years. I think for quite some time, if I've been there 13 years, certainly the first 10 were quite boring uh, in the industry (laughs) as I see it. Uh, Huge reliance on mainframes and, and really people just being too scared to do anything. Whereas the last few years, I think there's suddenly this recognition and this realization that things are changing, whether people like them or not. Uh, and I suppose in many ways because new new entrants can come into the market and so some of the bigger players are being forced to, to reevaluate things. Yes. And how is that because as I view it that's it's gotta be really hard for a traditionally conservative industry like the financial services industry, which is resistant to change at the best of times, but now being forced to change, but on top of it it's it's a highly regulated industry. You know, there's this, you know, you've got to do this, got to do that. New entrants come in and maybe maybe they are, maybe they aren't concerned about regulation. But, I mean, that's got to be a really tough angle or, or thing to straddle. Yeah, I think it's this fine line. You've got regulation that is huge and, and getting more and more all the time. Uh, but as I say, I think that what is new is that you have got the ability for people to bring out services that are not regulated. And therefore, you get financial services, things that look like financial services, playing in the traditionally regulated space. Much like you saw with Uber. Mm-hmm. Uber came in and put in a what could be described as a taxi service without taxi legislation. And so I think that's what the bigger players are realizing is that if they don't do something in the technology space, others will come and play in the insurance game, in the, in the investment game, but without actually offering insurance. Right. And, okay, so from your point of view, is there a greater appetite now for that change, for that evolution within the industry itself? I think the industry generally is grappling. Yes. Uh, I think what is surprising is how much uh, is happening in some of the big corporates. I think there's a, there's a lot of innovation happening, but I don't think a lot of it is actually seeing the light of day. Uh, and I think a lot of that is because there's the mindset of look what we could lose rather than look what we could gain. Absolutely. I, I think you, uh, you've, you've highlighted something very important there, and that is, and that is always the the issue with change. Is you're either change change looks a lot like loss sometimes, you know, and you sort of go through a bit of a, what what might be described as a 
a grief process almost, you know, and you're going, and you do, you do focus on the things we're going to lose and, oh, we might not succeed at that or this might fail, but the opportunities are immense. But the question is, how do businesses disrupt themselves? You know, Uber, all these examples are, are industries being disrupted from outside. Um, <clears throat> so where do we go? What's the thought process for this industry? How does it think about itself to disrupt itself? Look, I think if I look at our example, mm. uh, what's been a benefit for us is that we almost uh, big enough to be able to do something, but small enough that we don't have as much to lose. Okay. So if you look at a traditional business with hundreds of millions or even billions in advertising budget, that's something that I don't have. Yes. And so what's been quite exciting is to start to use new technologies to get out there. If you think of in the past, it would be who spent the most, that's who gets mm. known. Now it's referral systems, it's people literally spreading through social media, their interactions and the like. And I think that's been kind of this exciting place for us to play. Well, uh, I'd like you to expand a little bit more on that because that, that, that's quite an interesting element of it. So how are, you, how are you using these platforms or technology in order to... Yeah, I, I mean, we, we are both a traditional business. Yes. Uh, we are still a life insurance company. We still do asset management. We still do pension funds. But we have very explicitly put in a part of our business where we said we have to, and, and it is overused, but we have to Uberize our business. <laughs> yes. And although it's overused, it's a great model to when you build something to say, well, have we Uberized it? Mm. And and there's a few sort of checks you can check and eventually you realize, no, this is just traditional asset management or traditional pension funds and the okay. like and we've used that model to to try and take away the centralization that for me is one of the, the key things that has changed in the past you needed a a, a bank a central bank yes. you needed a, a big fund uh, and so we've tried to sort of say in the past you need a taxi association or this big sort of company you know company looking after it all now what you can do through the power of just peer-to-peer -peer, for example mm. you can make that big change and so we bought out that direct ownership product last year on exactly that principle, saying, how do we get rid of the traditional fund? Yes, I have traditional funds. Yes. We still offer those. But how can we do something really different? All right, fine. So, I mean, I mean the main reason you and I got connected up was to talk about this, this, this concept of uh, wealth through direct ownership. But before we talk specifically about that, let's talk about the problem you were trying to solve or that you identified or saw or the gap or the... Why, why, was there, why did this product come about? What problem were you trying to solve? Yeah, I think in a traditional business where you are pushing marketing and marketing spend, mm. you design product and you just push it and train people to like it. <laughs> we had to take a different approach and we really <clears throat> sat down and said, what are the problems mm. facing South Africa, the world and the like? And came up with a list, uh, yes. many of which I'd still like to get involved in. Yes. Uh, but in this specific case, we sort of said, well, energy is a problem in South Africa. Uh, the, the people's uh, cost of financial services is a problem. Uh, we, we, we sort of just wrote down these sort of concepts as problems first before product design. Okay. And then we started sort of saying, well, what sort of things would fix this? And every time, as I said, we literally Uberized it and mm. said, well, what are the solutions here? And I think you need a good understanding of what's happening in technology. So peer-to-peer -peer mm. is one of them. Bitcoin or, or, or your cryptocurrency is another. Uh, if you look at artificial intelligence. Mm. It's another. So there's a couple of these big trends, Internet of Things. That those, for me, are the four that are very exciting right yes. now. And I've just tried to make sure that we, at the very least, are playing in all four of those fields. Yeah. Uh, and even if we don't know how we're going to use them yet. Okay, so direct ownership. Let's talk about that. What is the idea with that? The idea is that in the past, when someone wants to, in inverted commas, invest money, 
they have to put money into a bank or a fund okay. in some sort of derivative. Yes. And, and they don't really know what's underneath there. There's just a whole bunch of stuff that happens and they get some money every month. On the opposite side, people who need money borrow from a bank or a fund. Yes. And they don't really understand where that money comes from or right. how it all works. And it just got us thinking, uh, and there's obviously a lot of fees and, and a lack of transparency in between. A lot, a lot of vagueness happening, in, ha- of happening vagueness. between one and the other, yes. You know, we run a unit trust, and when I first <coughs> got into unit trusts, I really battled to get my head around, but hang on, explain to me how these fees work. <laughs> you know, because the industry has, has done some funny things behind the scenes, and, and so we just said, let's change this. And so the idea here was that someone could own something, an asset, yeah. And they could put that asset to work somewhere else. Okay. And the first product, it's not, it, it's, this is not a solar project. It just happens to be the first product. So the first product was that I could buy a solar panel. I could put on someone else's roof. That person wanted electricity, which they, they wanted a better price. And so suddenly you had people with free roof space that they're not using. And they get money for their roof space. And people would literally buy an, an asset. They'd buy a solar panel. Okay, so... Let, let's talk about the end of this. I, I'm not sure I quite understand. So solar panels are going on. So I've got a house. I've got a. I've got a massive roof. I'm putting. Why am I putting the panel on? Other other than to generate electricity for myself, because I'm, I'm kind of understanding that that's not necessarily the case. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So we've gone in the commercial space uh, yeah. as opposed to residential. Okay. Where you've got a, a roof and you're sort of saying, well, if I wanted to spend money on solar panels. I can go and buy it. Sure. Just use my finance. Yeah. But there's a lot of guys are saying, look, I'd rather deploy my capital better somewhere yes. else. But I may as well get some money for my roof space. So that was the one side. There's other individuals, you and I, who say, yeah. hey, we want to buy or we want to we want to make our money work for us. But instead of investing in a bank or a unit trust, I'm going to buy a solar panel. And how does that make money? That's what I'm trying to understand. Is how, How's that solar panel making money for me? So, so our platform, our Fed Group platform, takes yeah. that solar panel. Yeah. And we manage it on your behalf, and we put it on someone else's roof, and we rent your panel to that landlord. Okay. So okay. it's a very okay. different, it has never been done before. Yeah. Uh, and as I say, that's the first product. We're saying there's lots of assets like this where I can buy something and get someone to manage it for me. So if you look at Uber, it's exactly that. Sure. I buy a car, and this Uber network looks, you know, tells me where to pick up who yes. and what to do. We're effectively that network, but for solar panels right now and other products coming soon. And where does that stand now in terms of size? I mean, how many, what's the size of the, of the, of the panel network out there? Yeah, so we, we are growing. We, we actually go live with about a site a week at the moment, which, oh, is, wow. which is quite exciting. Okay. And essentially landlords come to us and say, yeah, I'd like, I'd like to use my roof space better. They list their, they list their site, uh, their uh, building on yeah. our site. We vet it. And once we've edited, we put it out to the public, and people can buy a panel that will be. So, you, so you're buying a panel, part of a panel, 25 panels, or you can whatever. buy one panel or okay. more. So people buy one or. What we found was when we went live in November, a lot of people bought one panel. What we've seen in January is people now coming and buying 10, 20, 30 panels because okay. they've now. And, w- and what is see. the cost of that? How much? Uh, how much are we forking out? Five thousand two hundred rand. That okay. buys your panel installed. Okay. And how long? I mean, how does that? And, and, and how does that investment grow or that ownership? I mean, traditionally, as you say, a fund, I get in there, okay, I'm getting 11% or 8% or whatever it might be, and it's, oh, okay, and, and I'm, 
for the long term and I'm kind of seeing how it grows. How does that work in this in this essence? Sure. So people have to get used to the fact that it's a little bit more lumpy. There's days where the sun comes out. There's days when it doesn't. You literally earn according to how much electricity is produced. Is generated. Okay. Uh, but we've we've done conservative calcs that reckon they'll get an internal rate of return. And unfortunately, this is where the the technical terms come in, but yes. an internal rate of return of about 11%. Okay. And uh, it's a 20-year product. So at the end of 20 years, we say, come get your panel. We'll give you your panel, or we'll give you a 1,000 rand, just to sort of say we get rid of it and we give you a 1,000 rand. Uh, and then we're creating a secondary market. So we're saying willing buyer, willing seller. Yeah. So if a year down the line you say, I want cash instead, you can list on the secondary market, and you can get money back for your panel. All right, good. So you said this is the first project, and obviously you'd like it to be huge and big. And but beyond that, uh, are, there, are there particular new things on the horizon that you're looking at? Yeah, so we're very close to going live with our second product. Uh-huh. Uh, we won't give the details away just yet, but what's quite exciting about this product is you can get in for a hundred rand. Okay. And and for us, that's quite exciting. Is to say, suddenly you've got this access at down to a hundred rand, you can actually start earning those types of returns. Are but, you going to start? I mean, that that sounds kind of are you then going to be looking at reaching the non-traditional market for investment? We would like to make it available for everyone. Yes. We're saying if it's good enough for... So there's no, well, you invested lots of money, you get better rates. We're saying it's you can buy one or thousands of them, and, and it's available for everyone. Our biggest challenge at the moment is banking fees. Yeah. Banking fees are still two rand fifty, three rand for me to do a debit order. Yes. Uh, which is tactic. Yes. When you when you work that out as a percentage, on a hundred rand product, two and a half to three percent just for me to collect the money. Yes. Uh, and that's some of the stuff that's that we'd like to ultimately get right. And and you should be able to. I mean, uh, that it doesn't really make sense that the fees are are at that level, aren't I mean, we should be talking multiples of cents here. I mean. Yeah, and I'm, I think that's an industry that's protected by regulation. Yes. So. I think there's some fantastic stuff that could be done uh, in this area. Regulation's one of them, but also probably size. It's like owning the first fax machine. Mm. If you own that first fax machine, it's not too exciting until your friend gets a fax yeah. machine. <laughs> you so, so, so that's the thing about banking is yes. that I can pay your bank and I know the money's gone there. Uh, yes, cryptocurrency's there, but but it's volatile. I'm, I get Bitcoin and suddenly it's worth half or double what I, what I bought yesterday. Yes. So until some of those problems are sorted... Uh, banking's there, but I think that it's definitely changing. Okay. All right, so as we come to the end of the show, the future of banking, where's it all going to go? Answer in 30 seconds. I think think centralized banking is Mm. going to change. It it is going to be distributed Mm -hmm. in nature. I think that ultimately fees will be driven down as it becomes a commodity, and banks relying on on, on huge transactional charges and monthly amounts cannot survive. Yes. Well, good. And, and, And and so it shouldn't. I think everyone can agree on that, that that's got to change. Is, 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 is blockchain something you could talk about? We're not going to talk about it, but uh, is it something? Yeah. Okay, good, because I want to have a proper conversation about that at sometime in the, in the not-too-distant future. As I say, blockchain, Internet of Things, mm. peer-to-peer, and what am I missing? Uh, artificial intelligence. Yes. Those for me are the four uh, exciting emerging technologies that have a huge impact on fintech. Absolutely. All right, great. Well, Mr. Grantfield, thank you very much for taking the time to come into the studio and chat about it. It is it is fascinating, I think, and and I, and I wish you luck in your Uberization of 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 these products, these instruments, this uh, this industry, because it is it is going to change, and I hope you survive and thrive in the change coming. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Awesome. And this has been Digital Influence. You just listened to the Digital Influence with Ryan. Hoyt.
CliffCentral.com.